Hello, and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to the stories and events that we'll be making the headlines and even moving the markets in the days ahead. I'm Richard Fletcher, business editor of the Times. Today, I'm joined by Catherine Griffiths, our banking editor, Philip Aldrich, our economics editor, and Catherine Hopkins, our property and economics correspondent. Today, we'll be talking about the first official estimate of GDP growth in the UK, as well as asking whether consumer confidence can continue in its surge in the UK for July. We'll also be looking at whether house prices have gone up in June after stalling around the election in May. And finally, there's a raft of results from the big banks, including Lloyds and RBS. So, Phil, we get the uh, GDP numbers, which we all get very excited about. What, what do we expect? 0.7% is the, uh, is the gen- general forecast. Of course, in the first quarter, we had a bit of a slowdown. It went uh, from to 0.4%, which was uh, weaker than trend growth, so it didn't look particularly good for the recovery. But we're going to get a pickup in the second in the second quarter, by all accounts. I mean, the, the early indications from the activity data and uh, the official figures out so far uh, suggest about 0.7%. So that's, that's quite encouraging. And uh, so do we feel the economy's back? I mean, obviously, around the election, we, we, we sort of had a little bit of nervousness and uncertainty. Do we feel the, the recovery's back on track? Yes, it, it looks like things are, are definitely picking up from the slow start to the year. Uh, we've had good wage growth. Um, there is very strong confidence among consumers. We've had, we had a little setback on retail sales. Uh, for June, but uh, but for the for the for the quarter, it's still it's still fairly strong. Um, and obviously, the consumers have been driving the recovery. Uh, you know, we've got uh, household living standards at their best in about 14 years, with uh, disposable incomes rising rapidly. It all looks set for you know for 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 a good solid rest of the year. And this rebalancing of the economy that George Osborne has promised—that's all going on track. This is all being driven, I presume, by um by the industrial sector and exports. This growth. Well, uh, he'd like to think that was uh, that was happening, but I don't think there's an awful lot of evidence at the moment. We have got a problem with rebalancing. It is all about the consumer at the moment. Exports have taken a knock. The pound has, has bounced up very strongly. It's back at levels not seen since 2007. And as a result, uh, exporters are having trouble competing overseas. But there, there is signs of, uh, you know, of, of a general strengthening uh, in the economy. We've got better productivity. We've had slightly better growth in 2014 than, than was thought. So uh, maybe there's a bit of a setback on the rebalancing front. But uh, overall, the, the picture is looking a bit rosier. Catherine, with your old economics hat on, do you agree with Phil there? Well, look, well, I just wanted to know, really, if Phil thought um, the Chancellor is likely to miss his very ambitious exports target that he set himself, which I think is to hit £1 trillion pounds by 2020. Yeah, it's a bit of a lunatic uh, um, target, frankly. The, it, he wanted to double it from £500 billion to a trillion, uh, and uh, we, we're no way going to get there. The, this target was set uh, about uh, in 2012, I think, and since then, we've actually had a year in which exports fell, and we're only uh, we're only up at about uh, 500 and 550 or billion, I think. So the, the last few years have not been good. The OBR, the official government's official forecaster, reckons we'll get to about 650 billion. So he's going to fall well short of uh, one trillion. He uh, must have been a bit lightheaded from his 5.2 diet when he came up with that target, I think. It's completely mad. Is that one of the side effects of the 5.2 diet? Well, he only eats about 500 calories a day, so he must be Maybe he needs to double his calorie yeah. intake to boost our yeah. exports. God knows. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, obviously, um, 
a big part of the, the the economic story in the UK is the housing market, given our addiction to uh, owning our own houses and, and, and how much we obsess about house prices, or at least people I speak to obsess about their house prices. Maybe I need to get out more. But uh, so what's happening in the housing market? We have seen, particularly in London, we have seen a slowdown, haven't we? Uh, but we get some... We get, we get some data this week, don't we? Yeah, so in the run-up to the election, um, we did see a slowdown a- a- across the board, really, as people held off to, to see um, what policies were brought in after the results of the election. Um, the-, the latest figures from Halifax and the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors have showed that we saw um, a bounce back in June, and the land registry figures, which are released next week, are likely to show that the same thing, really. Now, um, most commentators think this is going to continue and um, house prices are going to continue to grow throughout the rest of the year that um, and, and that's mainly down to a chronic lack of supply of new homes coming onto the market and Ricks in fact is predicting that because of the lack of supply house prices could be around 25% higher in five years time that the only factor that could really not knock that down is an interest rate rise which Mark Carney, the Bank of England's governor, said last week could happen at the end of this year. And so the, the I, don't, I want to talk about interest rates and what effect that might have in a moment. Mm. But the recovery is actually nationwide now. It's no longer London driving these increases. In fact, London is slightly uh, off the pace, isn't it? It is. And areas actually that were very slow to, to recover. So especially in the north of England and in Northern Ireland, those are the ones that are really powering ahead. London has slowed down, especially at the top end of the market, sort of the 20 million plus bracket. But there are signs that um, that is actually starting to pick up again. And Phil, what effect do we think a interest rate rise will have on the housing market? They, do, do we expect that to have an effect? Well, the, the, the way it'll work is obviously hitting households who've got too much debt and can't afford their mortgages. Uh, and the Bank of England has done some studies on this, uh, and there is there is a sort of tail of homeowners who do uh, who do have uh, will have problems. A quarter point rise, I can't imagine that is going to decimate the housing market. And and the the bank has said repeatedly that the rises will be gradual, gradual and limited. So uh, even by the end of 2018, you're not looking at interest rates as far as the markets expect, uh, much more than 2%. So it's hard to imagine that, that, that rate rises are going are to absolutely destroy, uh, destroy the housing market. But there, is, but there will be some, some people who, who will feel uh, a little bit of pain. But how many people are still on interest-only mortgages? I mean, that's how I financed my first flat. Well, not, not so many anymore because they, they changed all the rules on, on interest-only. Um, you can't get an interest-only mortgage nowadays except for special circumstances. What, what's more important, actually, is the, is the proportion of households on fixed-rate deals because, obviously, if you're on a fixed-rate deal, it doesn't really matter if the interest rate rises. And that, um, in 2012, because no everyone just went on to the sort of Rock bottom floating rate deals, where only twenty eight percent of the market was on uh, was on fixed rates, compared with over fifty percent before the crisis. It's back up to about forty four, forty five percent. So the households have effectively been preparing for uh, a rate rise in in that respect. You can see you can see evidence of preparation. Catherine, what, what effect um, do you expect to see? I think there will be a small effect in the next few months on mortgage approvals, just because it will put some people off who, thi- who think right now they could get a mortgage, but in a month or two months they'll start to worry that rates will go up, so, so they'll just hold off. 
And actually, the, mar- the mortgage market is still pretty competitive. I mean, there's still people are still there's still some pretty good deals out there, aren't there? It's very, very competitive at the moment. We've got lots of mortgage rates at rock bottom lows, but but I do think that we're going to start to see those creep up after Mark Carney's comments in the next few months. So, Catherine Griffiths, obviously a busy week for the banks. Who, who have we got reporting? So next week we've got Lloyd's and RBS and Barclays reporting, and certainly. The mortgage market will be a big focus for Lloyds. Um, people will be watching pretty closely to see what happens to their profit margin, given how how incredibly competitive the mortgage market is at the moment. And, and RBS, what are we expecting from RBS? I think we're expecting lots and lots of noise from RBS. There'll be all sorts of ugly numbers on further restructuring that we know about. Um, one of the big things people are watching, though, there'll be no actual outcome next week is all the US court cases over previous subprime mortgage bonds that they sold in the in the run-up to the crisis. That's all, in all likelihood a very big number. But I think what's perhaps worrying for RBS is this sort of emerging sense that there could be a new front opening up on compensation and that is this point about business customers who were in the global restructuring group that our colleague James Hurley has written a lot about. Um, it seems increasingly likely that RBS's reasonably new chief executive, Ross McEwen, seems to take the view that they have to grasp that nettle and um, compensate people who were treated unfairly. And that's another embarrassment for the bank, isn't it? Yeah, it is It is an embarrassment for them. I mean, it's been a really high-profile issue and they tried to mount quite a robust defence on it. And I think, to be fair to RBS, it has been the biggest um, small business lender for a long time and so it is, by its nature, going to be a big issue. And when businesses go through economic problems it's 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 very complex sometimes decisions that a bank has to make about whether a a business is viable or not can be quite difficult and of course they had thousands and thousands of coming at them all the time that said it looks like perhaps while they probably didn't sort of systematically try to defraud defraud those businesses perhaps some were treated unfairly and I think What's going to be really interesting next week is whether Ross McEwen chooses to clarify RBS's position on this because, of course, the government is um, gearing up to sell some shares in RBS. And actually, if if RBS really comp- compensates businesses, then it could be billions of pounds. And, and Phil, just on, on that, the, the Treasury, obviously, we're, we've seen a, a sell-down gradually of Lloyd's state, but on what are they saying about the sale of RBS and Lloyd's? Obviously, we got some news at the budget, but... Um they're saying that they're obviously going to sell off uh, RBS as soon as they can. But, I mean, obviously it's going to take a long time to sell off RBS. They've got £45 billion in this, and they're way below the uh, the end price. They're, they're never going to sell it at the end price to begin with anyway. The income they're going to get from, from RBS, I think they're estimating it as around £25 billion over the over the course of the Parliament. And the income they're going to get from Lloyd's, uh, set this, the remaining sell-off of Lloyd's, because they've actually been quite successful there, will help reduce government debt it's not going to make a huge dent in it but it's just going to keep uh, keep the debt coming down gradually and Catherine then we have uh, we have Barclays as well it's obviously been a, a, a turbulent few weeks for Barclays it certainly has been um, I think it will be pretty entertaining next week to see what John McFarlane the new executive chairman of the bank has to say there have been lots of conflicting signals. Seemingly, the investment bank, which is the sort of huge problem child, is actually going to do OK-ish. But at the same time, we should get more detail from McFarlane on his vision for, for Barclays, which will include... Basically, we don't really know whether he's going to 
say actually the investment bank needs to be beefed up and sort of a commitment needs to be made to it or actually it's you know it's for the chop not completely for the chop but bits fitter for the chop and it's still a major employer phil isn't it in terms of the city i mean it, 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 did you do people worry about the the loss of of jobs in the i mean the financial sector despite the idea that we're going to rebalance we don't want to do that by just shrinking the financial sector do we uh, no, I mean if you if you read reading the runes from Mark Carney and from George Osborne, they want to beef up the city. If if anything, um, you know he's Osborne just uh, gave a sop to HSBC to try and keep their hem, them headquartered here. The governor uh, has has suggested that in the next sort of twenty years, the size of uh, our banking system in the UK is going to is going to look like Iceland's did before the. Before the financial crisis, so the so if anything, um, the ambition is to is to turn the UK back into a you know a, a global financial hub with uh, with masses of bankers thronging around the city. And of course, um, Osborne has just um, chopped um, Martin Whitley from the head of the Financial Conduct Authority, which which I think probably adds to the point that you know they're becoming a lot more business friendly. And do we think we've done enough to, or, or the government have done enough to keep HSBC here? No. Yeah, they were never going to no, go. I don't think so. Oh, really? I reckon they'll. I reckon they'll still go. Yeah, I'm with. I'm with Catherine. Well, that's it from us today. Remember that you can follow all the financial news as it happens on our Pop Up Business Now live blog on the Times website. And if you're a Times subscriber, you can sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails, giving you all you need to know wherever you are. And if you don't have a subscription, we do it as a special offer at the moment. You can just go to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Catherine, Phil, and Catherine. They're all on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.